Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. Today is Marvel Unlimited Monday, the weekly show where we talk about all of the new comics that are coming or have came to the uh, Marvel Unlimited app. And uh, just as we were talking about last time, last week, uh, there were I think there were three comics that I read on there that were new ones I hadn't read before, which was very strange. And I was right, because this, this week there are a ton of comics. There are so many. They must have gotten bottlenecked and uh, pushed back a couple of weeks, or a week, because I was checking on the release chart, and a lot of the ones that were supposed to come out last week ended up coming out this week, so um, something must have happened in the back end six months ago, but we're here now, and we've got a ton of comics to talk about, so let's dive right in. The first one on the list is Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Lando Calrissian in Cloud City Blues. Uh, This is written by, or stories by Greg Pak, and art is by Matteo Bufani. And uh, what was interesting about this one uh, was it, it was a it was a good story, but guys, it was the exact, literally the exact same story as uh, the Han Solo one, which to me means that Greg Pak, I'm pretty sure he did the Han Solo one as well. Whoever did, there's got to be a better way to tell a story about a smuggler. Like there's got to be a better way because it seems like every story about them is how they come they're they're down on their luck. They have some problem, you know, and most of the time it's running out of money. They're out of money and a big score or a big opportunity comes up to make money or they get money. Whatever the case is, they get the money and then by the end of it they lose the money and they're right back to where they were. I understand that smuggling, just like bounty hunting, is a complicated profession, but at the same time, can't somebody catch a break just once? And and this is this. So like I said, it's this literally the same as my as the review that I have for Han Solo. Um, and before I'll say, I always forget this, but I'm gonna go into spoilers on all of these stories. Uh, so uh, read them, come back, check out this podcast after you've read the new issues this week, or if you're okay being spoiled and want to get excited about the story anyway, check it out. Uh, I will point out as well, War of the Realms issue number four came out this week, uh, and uh, I've read it prior, so I won't be discussing it on here. I'm thinking I might actually just do, as uh, one of the monthly comic book clubs, uh, do War of the Realms uh, once all of them are out, so there's two more issues left on that one. But Back, back to this. So essentially, the story is Lando is the uh, he's the administrator for Cloud City. He's essentially like the president of Cloud City, and he's running out of money, and uh, is now having to give his own money to the workers there because they don't have the money to pay them. And of course, an opportunity comes up. A guy, a big insect guy, is like, "Hey, I need you to remove my nephew from his post as like the ultimate president of this mining colony." Uh, so essentially, and he says, "If you do that, not only will I pay you, but you will then take his place. Like you'll take his job." And he's like, "Oh wow!" He's like, "Yeah, this is like." millions of you basically he would be set for life and he would be able to take care of cloud city and that's all lando wants oh that's great that's precious but of course what happens he gets the job all everything goes right and that's i hate these stories every little thing goes right except what happens they start bringing slaves onto the uh, onto the planet these like the, like insect people or something but they're essentially used as fodder and lando's like uh that's not okay and he's like, I can't do this. Like he starts, so he fights them, and then they remove him from his post, and he's right back to where he started at Cloud City, and that's the end of it. And it's like, I, 
again, I, I get it. I get it. That's an it's an interesting story, the ups and downs of being a smuggler, but I'm just sick of that being like the only story that people seem to have for smugglers. Like, when are we going to get the smuggler story where where Han gets the money or where Lando gets he gets out, he get, he gets it and he's happy and it just seems like there's never like there's no rest for the wicked, and money don't grow on trees. So, you know, they've got bills to pay, they've got mouths to feed, and there's nothing in this world for free. And uh, clearly, Lando has been living those lyric lines uh, to a T. So, now we're going to jump into a couple of War of the Realms tie-ins, all of which were uh, okay. None of them really stood out as anything exciting except for one one small thing, which is on War of the Realms Giant Man. Uh, which is by Leah Williams and drawn by Marco Castillo. And you'd go, oh, Alex, what is it? It's It's got to be, you know, what panel was it? Is it your panel of the week? No, 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 no. It is on the cover. Uh, I've I've not seen this mentioned in comics before. This is something that, uh, you know, my family is a, our inside, not inside joke, but, you know, a running joke of things that we say, internet memes type thing. It says on the title, it says Giant Man. Look at these absolute units, and I just could not stop laughing when I saw that. So that little bit of comedy was great, made me say, okay, fine, I want to read this book. But what I'm starting to see with all of these War of the Realms tie-ins is they they don't know how... They're all telling the same story. That's the problem. Each of these are telling the same story. And I'm going to, I guess, just due to the sheer amount of comics that we have here, I can probably weave this in with the other stories. So that's Giant Men. Giant Men by Leah Williams. Uh, we also have Strike Force, the War Avengers. This is one of the Strike Force stories. And this one is by, uh, it's by Dennis uh, Hallam, Dennis Hopeless Hallam, with, uh, drawn by Kim Jacinto and Ario Anandito. Uh, great art in both of these, actually, uh, from Giant Man and Strike Force. And then Spider-Man and the League of Realms is the other one, which is by, uh, art by Nico Leone and written by Sean Ryan. And same thing, all three of these books look really good, and they are all about teams of heroes unlikely pairings of teams of heroes being sent on a mission that is a a giant uphill battle pun intended for giant man but uh essentially oh you know we we need you to uh with the giant man it was we need you to infiltrate the the ice the frost giants and kill ymir because uh, Laffy loves Ymir for some reason. Uh, Freya meets with Scott Lang in this issue and is like, hey, you know, he ate Loki. He ate my son in the War of the Realms books. I need revenge. I need you guys to do this. So um, Gi- or Giant Man, Ant-Man, Scott Lang teams up with a couple of other tall men, uh, including Roz Malotra, uh, Giant Man, Tom Foster, Goliath, and Eric Jostin, Atlas. And they all are pretending to be frost giants to sneak in. And things uh, don't go well, obviously. And that's where we're left at the end of that issue. Strike Force, War, the War Avengers. This is a team led by Captain Marvel. Uh, the story is kind of from the perspective of Deadpool. But 
Uh, it is Weapon H, the Hulk Wolverine hybrid, Captain Britain, Black Widow, Valkyrie, Captain Marvel, and I'm just looking at the cover, Venom, Deadpool, and uh, Winter Soldier. They aren't necessarily a full team yet, but for the most part, they are. But again, they're going up against a uh, unbeatable foe. They're going to fight Malekith and lose. And by the end of it, they're ready to, I guess, they're ready to take the fight. It, it, essentially, this, these Strike Force ones are just one-shots. And uh, same. So then we get to Spider-Man in the League of the Realms. Okay, is that a different story? No. Spider-Man is leading a team of basically the compatriots from Jason Aaron's original Thor God of Thunder run, like uh, Honeysuckle or Honey Honeyshot, Honeysuckle, Honeyshot, the dwarf, the really tall giant, like all the the people who are in the the literal League of Realms that was in that book. Spider Man is leading them. And the question that I had, and clearly everyone on the team had, was why is Spider-Man the one leading them? And we find out by the end of it, it's because he can he can diplomatically convince the bad guys to not fight. And in this, the the only cool thing about these stories is they give you the scope of how big the War of the Realms is, because you've got the Giant Man series, which is taking place in um, Florida, because the Frost Giants took over North America. And then in Strike Force is in London, in England, uh, and also by Atlantis as well. But uh, they're fighting uh, kind of some shark, fl- uh, fire sharks, but then they end up fighting the Dark Elves who are taking over Europe. And then Spider-Man in the League of the Realms, that one is in Africa, which is where the angels are. Like, uh, what is it, a- Angela the uh, from Hell? or uh, It's kind of a weird, uh, vert- was, it, was it Vertigo? or It was some, basically Marvel got the rights to Angela, who is this character from some other comic book universe, and they somehow synced her in our universe. I think she's a really cool character. Uh, they introduced her in Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, back in like 2012, and I thought it was cool. It was 100% a shoehorn. But nonetheless, she's still an interesting character. But her her uh, race are part of the bad guys, and so they are um, they're in Africa, and that that's the same thing. So literally, all three of them are just fighting really difficult odds in all three of those stories. So nothing really stood out to me in terms of wow, this is a groundbreaking story. But uh, they're still enjoyable. So like I said, if you're if you're reading the regular War of the Realms series each each month as it comes out on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and you're wanting to get a broader scope of what's going on, obviously things that are happening in each of these stories are briefly happening in the War of the Realms main series. And uh, honestly, I would rather have Russell Dowderman tell me it in the main series with his beautiful art than having to read all these other issues to catch up with. So again, apologies to anybody out there who had to buy these uh, as they came out and spend, you know, God knows how much money this was. I'm pretty sure Giant Man was probably $3.99, Strike Force was $4.99, and Spider-Man may have been $4.99 as well. It could be $3.99, but uh, just a lot of money to keep up with. And uh, so if you, again, waited till Marvel Unlimited, congratulations, you uh, made out like a bandit, and uh, you're getting a lot of bonus, a lot of bang for your buck. Uh, so moving on, we're going to be talking about, oh, one of the best ones this week, Spider-Man Life Story, issue number three. This one is the 80s, and this is by uh, Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley, and oh man, this one was intense. So uh, we're now in the 80s, and uh, Spider-Man and Mary, or Peter Parker, Mary Jane are married. He, They're both older, and this issue takes place during a time period when Mary Jane is in the hospital, 
about to give birth and she's with Aunt May. Aunt May clearly is losing her mind. And they, they make a clear point. Mary Jane explains it in it. Like she's 90 years old now. And she's she her brain's going out. She's got dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that. But Spider-Man is gone. Nowhere to be found. And that's because he's in the Secret Wars. And so he's off, off world. No one knows where he is. And so she can't even track him. And man, poor Mary Jane. She's like, he's been gone for three weeks. How, can you imagine if your spouse was missing for three weeks not only that but you're in the hospital giving birth to that spouse's kids oh my gosh i just she's a stronger woman than 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 many out there like i i would have been like you know what clearly they're not coming back like see ya even if they came back i would have been like you've got some lucy you've got some explaining to do like where have you been and so that happens he he comes back obviously he's got the symbiote uh costume now and he's uh you know symbiote spider-man but he uh he's like i'm so sorry she ended up having twin uh twins i think it looked like the way they described it a boy and a girl and uh at that point he's kind of just fighting crime but he knows and, and reed richards talks with him like the suit is an alien he's like i know i gave my wife a fail safe in case something happens I hope nothing happens, but then, uh, there's a copycat running around town wearing a black suit, and, um, a menace, essentially, a literal menace, but who could it be, guys, if you're, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you kind of maybe had an idea of who it was, Craven, an older Craven, and he ends up meeting up Spider-Man, capturing him, and explaining to him that he's dying, he has cancer, and he looks older in this, because obviously everyone's aging in real time, and, uh, so what happens but God, the, you know the hunt happens spider-man gets you know almost killed and buried alive and at that point it's like okay peter's gone again and mary jane's like i don't like where is peter and so the symbiote actually breaks out of his house he's got it like contained there and she's like oh no that must mean that peter's in trouble it saves peter's life but turns him into like a venom almost like a really a bigger symbiote that looks like venom and beats the crap out of uh of craven and mary jane's there like peter what's happening and she he's like mj help me and so she shoots him with this the sonic gun and and knocks the symbiote off of him and it's like okay thank god uh all the worst is over and it's like no 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 this is a this is an incredible series an incredible series because the worst is not over actually the worst has just begun so uh they get back to the house and the next scenes the the epilogue basically is uh mary jane leaves peter and uh part of that reason is because peter was gone he disappeared and aunt may took the kids and disappeared and they're like uh where's aunt may and it's like, uh, we have no idea. And they find her just like staring into a store window with the babies crying in a, in their cart, uh, outside. And it's like, oh, what a nightmare as a parent. Like again, what Mary Jane is going through right now, like to be a single parent like that. And it's funny because again, I, uh, I've read, I had a, uh, growing up, I had the, still have it, the, the ultimate Spider-Man guide from Dorlene Kindersley, the DK that uh, kind of had, you know, the profiles on all of his villains, profiles on all the big storylines. So again, I, much like a, uh, a history student, I know about Spider-Man's history, but I have not read those actual issues. I have not read the Clone Saga issues. I have not read, I have read uh, Craven's Lost Hunt though. That one was amazing, but I haven't read the, um, where was I going with that? the there's just that time period in the 80s when when spider-man and mary jane like when they were married and had a baby and then like 
Uh, it ended up being like Norman Osborn was basically they they kept trying to find weird ways to uh, continue the story of their relationship together. Like, oh, like what can we what could we put that couple through? Like, oh, how about this? How about that? And I just when I would read those parts in the books, I was like, Mary Jane is just she's a trooper like and and it's almost the wrong word for it because it's like no one nobody no one should have to be put through something like that and honestly if i was reading spider-man at that time if i if i read it now i would be like spider-man's the bad guy of that story right like he's the he's he and she explains this to him like you you need to be a father now like you need to do this and again this is in a perfect world where spider-man ages normally he's in the 80s right now it was like 1984 and he was 15 in 1962 so that puts him at like uh 50 40 maybe he was born in what the late 30s um no, no, I'm sorry, late 40s, so if he's in the 80s, he's basically in his mid to late 40s right now, and it's it's just like, okay, you know, you've, you're done, like, you need to stop being Spider-Man, like, clearly, and he says it to Reed Richards, he's like, when he tells him, like, you shouldn't be wearing the suit, he's like, I know, but I'm getting older, and this suit make, it sort of makes me feel young again, like, it, it allows me to continue fighting crime, it's like, at some point, you gotta, you gotta put the mask up, and uh, of course, Spider-Man can't do that because with great power comes great responsibility, and we're seeing the repercussions in this story. So Mary Jane leaves him and takes the kids with them, and he's stuck. And she's trying to tell him, like, let's put Mary, let's put Aunt May in a home, like let's ha- let someone take care of her. And he's like, no, she raised me from when I was a kid. And she's like, well, good, then you help her, like, be here, be a father, and help her and watch over her, because you're not doing any of that, you're disappearing, and so, um, so that, and that's the end, except the last, but the last scene is, uh, Craven's about to kill himself, because it, the cancer's obviously terminal, and he's, he, he lost his greatest fight to Spider-Man, he's happy about it, obviously, because, you know, he was trying to prove Sp- Spider-Man, but still, he's got nothing to live for now, and what happens, but the symbiote crawls up his gun, so, ooh, a Craven venom, and, uh, a Cray venom, if you will, uh, which is cool, because there, and there's also a really cool bit in the story about, with Russia, and that, like, basically, the world went to trash while while everyone was at secret wars because all the superheroes were gone and at that time it said there was a kind of an arms race between russia and so there was a huge battle and so uh craven even mentions that like you know because he's russian and it was like that's a really cool concept i thought of them to be able to tie all that stuff in so clearly in terms of my discussion so far that's probably one of my favorite books of the week and that's consistently been one of my favorites that marvel's putting out um on marvel unlimited obviously you know came out prior but um, the another three bit that I'm going to talk about is, uh, the age of X-Men, right? So, uh, we've got three stories that came out this week for it. We got marvelous age of X-Men issue number four of five, which is by Zach Thompson and Lon- Lonnie Nadler and, uh, uh, art by Marco Fiella. And then, uh, we've got age of X-Men next gen issue four of five, which is by Ed Brisson and uh, inks by Marcus Toe, a uh, familiar name. That's uh, the guy who's doing the Marauders now. And uh, and then the final one is Uncanny X-Men, issue number 18, which is by the series runner Matthew Rosenberg with inks by Juan Velasco and Craig Young So uh, and Carlos Villa. So um, 
Another good entry, this one, we're still at this point, guys, we're barreling towards the end of the story. Everything is coming to a head in uh, many, you know, flashy and, and big ways. Uh, in Marvelous Age of X-Men, we're getting the final cracks into, uh, you know, everyone figuring out that this whole thing's a ruse. There are these now, so it essentially starts on Xavier Day, which is like, oh, I guess the day that Xavier died. It's all fake. It doesn't matter. And, uh... Uh, of course, Apocalypse shows up and says, hey, like, make love, not war. Everybody starts making out and hanging out, and uh, the X-Men are like, this is bad. So Jean Grey actually uses her mind powers to make everyone leave, and she's all regretful about that, like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, there are now rifts that are being opened in the world, which to me are the cracks of it, you know, the world breaking. The, in these rifts, when you look in them, you can see memories from the prior X-Men uh, stories, which is really cool. And so uh, Jean Grey and X-Man, along with all the other X-Men, are talking like, this is bad, you know, we got to handle this. But he's like, I'm just going to take Jean Grey. So they go, they fly out, and they're like flying around the world trying to close some of these up, while at the same time, people like uh, Colossus are trying to grapple with the fact that on Xavier Day, something just came over him. He says that when Kitty phased through him, he felt something, and they start kissing. And so now he's about to try to get arrested, and he's like, uh, -uh they're not going to take me in. And same with like uh, X-23. She's like, you know, I am just keep getting these flashes about Logan. My team is telling me to be violent, but I just feel like that's not the right thing to do. And it's like, yeah, it's not the right thing to do. Like, come on. So we're so close, guys. We're so close to them figuring out they're they're in the wrong, uh, you know, reality. And uh, so that's kind of what's going on in Marvelous Age of X Men. While at the same time, in Next Gen, the kids led by Glob are trying to chase down Anoli, who uh, ran off to meet with those extracts with Apocalypse's followers. And the school is now on the hunt for them because they kind of have an idea that these people are all teaming up now. So that one's coming to a head because at the end of that issue, we find out Anoli actually took like some explosives or something to uh, the Hope Summers library. And the last panel of the issue is the library exploding. So I don't know if that's him being dead. One, doesn't matter because this is an alternate reality. Two, uh, it, he's probably not dead. Like every... I, I'm telling you guys, every explosion in comics, that's, Jonathan Hickman nailed it when he explained and said, death, all that stuff in comics should be used as a, um, as a plot device, not so much as a grab em, ooh, you know, let's increase comic sales, and, and you'll notice any time, you'll see, if you, if you read comics, you know this, any time that there is an explosion or a death, when does it happen, right? It happens on the last page as a cliffhanger. It's literally used as a cliffhanger. It's not used as a plot device. It's used as the cliffhanger. And then the beginning of the next issue is like, oh, you, we were just kidding. Like it wasn't. So in this, I, I guarantee you the next issue is going to start with Anoli being like, oh, wait a minute. I, uh, I have a change of heart. I don't want to do this. And then like runs off, but then the bomb goes off anyway or something, you know, something like that where, oh, of course, of course he got away. So we'll see where that one's headed. It's got one issue left. And uh, obviously, you know, like I said, annoyances aside, it's still a cliffhanger and that's a pretty interesting cliffhanger to leave it on. What's going to happen? Uh, and then Uncanny X-Men 18, 
Uh, obviously, the X-Men on the reverse side of reality in our own real reality, they are uh, fighting the Marauders, and this is uh, the bad Marauders, not the current day Marauders, uh, because they're the ones who had killed some Morlocks and whatnot, and they're like, no, 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 like we didn't do that. And so they're fighting them, but Chamber is like, no, I don't buy it, and kill it kills one of them. And who shows up? but Mr. Sinister, and I'm wondering, ooh, is this going to be a sassy Sinister? Guys, he was kind of sassy, uh, but they, I've just been really enjoying Matthew Rosenberg's run on Uncanny X-Men. I like the fact, he's literally just doing a walk down memory lane for everything X-Men, and I'm totally cool with it, because again, you know that it's going to be over in a couple of issues, so it's like, this issue hat was about Mr. Sinister, the prior issue was like, uh, um, man, there's, I mean, there's been villains in all of them. You've had Mr. Sinister, Dark Beast, uh, Magneto, and uh, now at the end of this issue, we've got Emma Frost, who's working with Mystique, and she's like, good, like, they don't know who I am. Remember, the cliffhanger in the last issue was, no one seems to know who Emma Frost is, and she's like, good, this is all going according to plan, like, Scott Summers is calling you right now, why don't you answer that phone, and Mystique's like, ooh, okay, uh, but the big, the big uh, piece, the big crux of this issue was Sinister fights the X-Men, and he it's a badass fight it's a really good fight and it it ends kind of abruptly because he explains he's like fighting them and basically just buffing off every single thing that they are trying and then all of his sinister clones come and they all combine to be one giant sinister and he tells them and i was like ooh, this is interesting he goes if you couldn't beat just one me how are you going to beat all of them and I was like, that's a valid point. And all of a sudden, Alex Summers comes out and does his havoc business on him and like fully unleashes himself. And Sinister's like, all right, you got me. I give up. And I was just like, what? And they mention it in the comic too. So there's got to be some more. They're like, it's weird that he gave up so easily. And it's like, yes, it is kind of weird that he gave up so easily. So we'll see how that goes. Again, I think this goes to issue 22. So we've got 19, 20, 20 we've got four issues left. And again, I think these these are mid-May comics. Uh, House of X, powers of 10 that came out in july so we've got one more month of age of x-man before this all gets wrapped up in a neat bow hopefully and uh, i'm just really hoping because the premise of this story was amazing the um the plot has been amazing but the the continuation the follow-through has not there's been a lot of drop-off in these last few issues on all of the series it's it, they've kind of it's almost as if all of these series could have been uh, four issues instead of five, maybe even some of them being three. So I really hope that even though a lull is going on right now, that they stick the landing. And I'm, I'm, I hope, I hope they are. Uh, next up, Daredevil issue number five. This was a chip double dip week, guys. We got Chip Zdarsky writing it with ink uh, or pencils by Marco Cicchetto or Cicchetto, I think, as they they call him. Uh, one of the gods amongst men, one of the young guns, and he, boy, the art in here is beautiful, guys. The art in here is so good looking um so if you you want to check out some good art check out daredevil this is also a really beautiful issue as it is oh and it says don't miss the explosive finale of his first arc so um the end of this arc is is really sad it's uh he basically gives up being daredevil so as you've noticed through all this run he kills he kills somebody and now and then he's like lashing out at the police and all this stuff and so he's going to fight uh out the owl and kind of is about to get overwhelmed when Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist, who else, guys, come on, you, you weren't, the team-up had to happen, Zdarsky's been waiting for this, and um, so they show up and save his butt, and Daredevil's like, they're, they're here to turn me in, like, 
they know I killed somebody. They're here to turn me in. And so they take him back to uh, his place or they take him back to, I think, uh, someone, one of the other people's places. It wasn't his place. But when he wakes up, he's like, all right, yeah, like you, I understand. Like you can take me in. They're like, we're not going to take you in. Like this, it, it happens. And that, Chip Zdarsky is, he's an enigma in many ways because I, when I think of Chip Zdarsky, I think of sex criminals. That's the first thing that I had um, seen him in. And I, if you guys haven't read that series, it's it's insane in so many different ways. Uh, it is not for uh, young readers at all. It's a definitely a 17 plus uh, type rated R type uh, comic, but it is so funny. It is so smart. And Zadarsky does the art. Uh, Matt Fraction is the writer. And what's best about it too is if you can find the comics or some of the other stuff, there's letters pages in the end, and they're just the funniest things in the world. Literally, the letters pages are probably like six pages of the comic, maybe even more sometimes, uh, because so many people write in, and everyone who writes in is like trying to be funny or trying to be weird because it's, it's a book about sex criminals. Um, I will prev. <laughs> it is it is a book about two people that when they have sex, time stops, and so they decide to rob banks during that period of time. So it's not about, you know, sex trafficking or anything like that. So it's actually a really funny play on those sort of tropes. But um, I actually uh, wrote in on one of those issues, and uh, I believe it was issue number 13. Uh, but uh, so I'm in the letters pages of it, actually. And uh, I think it's 13. I'll have to double check. But uh, but so I, 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 I met Zdarsky as an artist. And again, he's on this hyper comedic book and he's hilarious obviously as you all know Zdarsky's hilarious just as Matt Fraction is but so then it was all of a sudden Zdarsky's starting to write comics and it was like interesting okay all right so he can draw like we know he can he can draw for sure he can draw but now he's writing interesting and so he started writing some books for Marvel like uh, Howard the Duck and uh, some other stuff like that, like comedy things. And it was like, oh, this is perfect for him. And his comedy is hilarious. But recently, he has been diving into more serious material. And it's funny because he still keeps up this comedic persona on Twitter. And again, as you guys are aware, I can't prove this. I've only seen this from other people talking about it. But he certainly isn't saying anything about it. I've just heard Chip Zdarsky is a, um, a pen name and that his real name is Stephen Murray. And I'm pretty sure that's true. I think you can Google it and it'll show up as that. But so I always picture if he's doing something funny, that's Chip Zdarsky. If he is doing something serious, that is Stephen Murray. Um, and shout out to my good buddy, Steve Murray, who, um, uh, one of my good friends from Texas, he actually, him and a couple of my other friends have a podcast that they do, uh, some entertainment stuff and they do, uh, sports and whatnot too but they uh, it's just funny that he has the exact same name as my friend so it's like that's why i'll never forget that zadarsky's name but um so regardless it, it's just it's like magic because whether zadarsky is trying to be funny or trying to be serious he is such a good writer that's the point of this whole rant that i'm on he is just such a good writer and so he's writing this nuance with these characters and luke cage and jessica jones are like we're not gonna take you in like mistakes happen that's happened with us before like sometimes people die and it's your fault or sometimes they do and it's not your fault like you have to be able to deal with it and live with it and move on and continue fighting the good fight sort of thing and at this point daredevil's like like we're we're all killers like i can't do this anymore 
And he's like, I need to use the bathroom. And it's like, okay, he's leaving. And so, so he leaves, takes the window out, gets back home. And, oh, and so this is why I say it too, because I think Zdarsky is a huge fan of, uh, of Spider-Man. And I would say, honestly, if this was, and it's not even a panel, it's like a couple pages of the week, it would be from this. And we actually get the call out. Remember, I had said uh, he's wearing Punisher's shirt. They're like, look, man, like you are off the rails. Like you're wearing his shirt. You're doing this stuff. He's like, wait, wait, what? How do you know? And they're like, because there's a big skull on the shirt. He's like, well, I can't see that. I just needed to wear a shirt. And it was like, okay, that's cool. So he's back at home and he says, he's like talking to himself and he's like drinking and taking pills because he's in a lot of pain. And he says, wait, someone's here. He says, impossibly quiet. The hand? No, there's a heartbeat, a strong one. I can almost hear his muscles tighten, coiled with incredible strength and control. He's pure power and doesn't even know it the best of us and he's here in my home daredevil i followed you normally i'd never be able to follow you but you're clearly not yourself it's freaking spider-man guys i just like i said zadarsky just really knows how to write and it's like no one i don't feel like anyone really gives spider-man his due most of the time like people forget and and this is a again the double chip dip the way that he makes portrays Spider-Man in uh, in the Spider-Man life story out this week as well, it's awesome because he's like, "Hey, read like I'm a scientist. I did I I read up on the the suit like I studied it." Um, and obviously, Zdarsky did Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man too, so he clearly loves this character. But it's just I always love when people appreciate Spider-Man because people forget Spider-Man's a wisecracker. Spider-Man's a complainer. He's a whiner. And he, uh, he's, he's got an incredibly guilty conscience, but he can also lift like 60 tons. He has spider sense, enhanced agility. He can climb on walls and, uh, super fast. Oh, but also he's incredibly smart. He's like a super genius. So when people write him as like, he, like he's the best of us or like he, he is stronger than he even knows or like, oh man, he is super smart. Like, thank you. Thank you for giving Spider-Man his due because Lord knows he won't do it. Spider-Man would never give himself a compliment. And so he essentially tells him, he's like, hey, he goes, I like, I didn't come here. I don't know who you are still. I get, which is weird. I, I get it. But these people I feel like should be sharing their identities with each other. But he's like, hey, I'm not here for that. I'm just here to tell you, like, I get it. I've been where you are. Like, I, I, like I've lost people that I've loved and I, people have died on my watch. You have to find a way to make peace with that and to move on. But you are not doing that. Like you are doing the exact opposite of that. And for that reason, you're done. He's like, he goes, I'm telling everybody that you're done. If they see you on the streets, they're going to take you down and stop you because you do not need to be out right now. Like you need to get yourself in order. And he takes his mask off. He's like, you're right. He goes, you're right. Thanks basically. And then he's just left on his couch alone crying. That's the end of the issue. Wow. So as a finale, phenomenal. As a longtime comic book reader, we, we know Daredevil isn't going to be staying down for long. So I'll be interested to see what this next issue six is, but um, it's just been an enjoyable ride all the way through on that one. Um, another one closing out is Black Widow, which is uh, issue number five of five. That's by the Soska sisters, Jen and Silva Soska, and art by Flaviano. And again, um, just a basic 
Black Widow story as I thought. There's nothing special about this. I mean, it, if you're looking for a good Black Widow, if you're just needing your Black Widow fix, and again, high time when uh, when the Black Widow movie is coming out, probably check this book out. It, it would uh, It's good. It's not bad by any means. It's just doesn't add anything new to the genre. By the end of this, uh, she she gets the guy, she gets the bad guy, saves the kids, and uh, by the end of it, she goes and finds Captain America, because if, if you guys remember at this point, she's still dead, quote-unquote dead, to the world, and so she meets Captain America, and he's like, I'm so sorry from Secret Empire, like, all that stuff, she's like, I don't care, like, I just want to let you know that it's okay, like, you can move on, I'm gonna move on, but I'm staying dead, basically, and she jumps out the window and screams into the night, is kind of how I saw that last panel, I'd love to know if that's what it was, but um, that was it, again, nothing crazy, nothing that made, it's, I will, uh, I'm probably not gonna remember this story, and not for it being bad, again, it just was, uh, it's a, you know, there's just certain books that you read that are good books, but they don't, they don't grab onto you, there's, there, and everybody's different, so maybe, maybe this will be something that you would love to see, and, and for that reason, awesome, but there's just certain things that an emotional connection I have to have with something in the story that's going to make me remember that story forever, like, I'm never going to forget reading House and Powers of X, House of X and Powers of Ten. I will never forget that. That's ingrained in my head. Uh, whenever I think about that story, it's gonna take me back to. It's gonna take me back to that summer, man. Like, hoo that the summer of 2019. Um, but yeah, the Black Widow. I'm not gonna have any memories for that. But that's that's fine. Again, I'm just glad the Soska sisters were able to write something. Uh, because uh, when I saw that they were doing it, and I don't know a lot of their work, but they're just they seem like really cool people. And I was like, cool, good for them that they're doing something. And I enjoyed it. So hey, if you guys are listening, or if you gals are listening, uh, great job. And I enjoyed reading it. And I hope hope you guys are gonna be able to do something else soon. I would I would love to see you guys write um anything really. I enjoyed your guys' writing. All right, next up, Old Man Quill, issue number five uh, of 12. This is by Ethan Sachs and uh, art by Robert Gill. And this was a weaker issue. There wasn't really a lot that happened. We're kind of gearing up towards what I'm assuming is the the first end of the first arc on issue six. So the Universal Church of Truth is on their way. They're destroying the Nova Corps. It was here's what I'll say that was about this this issue. Like I said, there's there's not a lot that happens in this issue, but there are a lot of cool people that you see in this issue. Because part of the reason why this series and these series of old man whoever or old woman whoever uh, are so cool is you get to see what's going on in the Marvel Universe in other spots, and so you get to see uh, Viv Vision a little older, a little a little. Uh, more damaged, I guess you could say. You also get to see Sam Alexander as Nova Prime. That's awesome. And uh, he puts up a pretty good fight in this story, so th- that was really cool. But um, yeah, so I'm excited to see where issue six uh, ends up or where, you know, kind of where we end up on that first arc before the second one, a uh, second and final arc. Again, it's a, it's a 12 issue series, so you could wait till the end if you want to wait, read it all at once. But, um, but it was good, it was enjoyable. Ironheart, issue number six, is by Eve Ewing and um, uh, lettered by uh, G. Giaffo, is that right? Or Kevin Labranda, I think is who it is. Uh, This was a one-shot, in a sense. It's a a team-up with her and uh, Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man. And essentially, she has been tasked by Miss Marvel to go and check on Miles because no one's heard from him in a couple of weeks, much like Spider-Man in the 80s. 
And so she finds out that he's in a cabin in the woods in like upstate New York. It's snowing. She goes there. And when she walks in, she's like, Miles, like, where have you been? Like, we're looking for you. He's like, what are you talking about? I came here to clear my head. He's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, but you've been here like two weeks. She's like, no, I haven't. It hasn't even been a day yet. She's like, uh, no, what day is it right now? He's like, January 18th. She's like, no, it's February 2nd. He's like, no, that's impossible. Look at your watch. And she looks and she's like, January 18th. She's like, what's going on? And so we find out that they are in a a time loop inside this cabin. And so they get a good talk with each other. They bust out of the cabin and it's this weird, this weird monster type dude who was trying to conduct an experiment in regards to, um, to that sort of thing, like uh, time loops and whatnot, but they defeat him, and uh, she has another good talk with Miles about like, hey, it's okay, like, I know you went through a lot and what happened in the Champions books, uh, but whenever you're ready to come back, just, can you just give us a couple texts every once in a while to let us know you're okay, and he's like, yeah, that's fine, so it was a good story, I I love, love, love Eve Ewing doing Ironheart, so that's why, that's why I've been reading these, the last, this issue was good, the last issue wasn't as much, so I, I Obviously, I'm sticking with this, and I'm glad I am, but I always love these little one-off issues because uh, there's not a lot of investment that you have to do in it. At the end of it, it's done. Like There's no cliffhanger or anything like that, so it's nice to get those every once in a while, and this was certainly one of those. Ooh, and did we save the... Guys, did we save the best for last? Um, Actually, no, because I... Now that I'm looking at the... Maybe we did. Immortal Hulk, issue number 17 by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. Oh, man, guys, this was so good. I'm just trying to think if this was better than Life Story. But you know what? Art is subjective and nothing is better than anything else. Unless you think so, because that's an opinion. But uh, to me, these are just all so great. And this series was so good. So the where we're at in the last issue, he's trapped in that mountain base. And they just put the heat lamps on him, basically, on Hulk. And so he's back to being Bruce Banner. And that cyborg dude is about to kill him. And he's toying with him instead. And it's like, dude, you know you shouldn't toy with even Bruce Banner. He's going to get away. And he does. But then we find out that Bruce Banner is actually, his like brain is being taken over by Joe Fixit. So he's like beating the crap out of the cyborg as Bruce Banner because he's Joe Fixit, which was so trippy. And uh, eventually get to the point where he uses the Joe Fixit cunning to uh, bust out. He basically turns the because so they they're like turn it up, like turn the turn the heat up and turn it into ultraviolet waves because that will really burn him. And he's like he gets burned. He's like ultraviolet. Oh, they just made their biggest mistake. And so he hacks into their computers. And as all of you know, on the wave spectrum, you've got like heat, known color. Then you've got the UV rays. He's like, then you've got the X rays. And what happens after that? The gamma rays. And he turns into this giant Hulk creature that has like six heads and all these arms. Oh my, the body horror in this comic is insane. And uh, by the end of it though, he's like the the bad guy, the leader of the bad guys like, well, all right, well, we failed. Uh, But it was only because of a human error. He's like, if, if that guy wouldn't have played with his food, basically, he would have beaten Bruce Bruce Banner, excuse me. And so he's like, all right, he has like an assistant. He's like, tell me we've got uh, Project B is ready. And she's like, yes. And Project B is this new abomination. It's like a mixture of uh, the abomination and Rick Jones. And I just congratulations to Al Ewing for being able to incorporate so many different pieces of Hulk's mythology 
into this story. Like you're, he's literally weaving things that are from hundreds of Hulk issues into already just, just a measly 17 issues. So congratulations to Al Ewing and Joe Bennett, because that art just Joe Bennett, you know, you know how to do, um, you know how to do body horror. You could, you could do a Cronenberg, uh, tie-in comic if you wanted to, and I would I would uh, read it on Marvel Unlimited. But uh, that was the last issue that I read this week. So like I said, a lot more comics this week than last week. And uh, that's always great. It's always a great day when you have some comics to read. So hope you guys enjoy whichever of these you're reading, and uh, hope you're finding some joy in them. And with that said, for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.